0: Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. evolutionary astrologer a clairvoyant and a thought leader and i started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development hey this is sabrina monarch of monarch astrology and magic of the spheres podcast and i'm going to be talking to you about the mercury retrograde in virgo that's happening it's stationing retrograde today august 23rd 2023 um, in the later side of virgo And while I will share briefly some of the basic mundane qualities of Mercury Retrograde, which I'm sure you already know because Mercury Retrograde is a very commonly talked about transit, far beyond people that even pay attention to astrology. Everyone seems to know what Mercury Retrograde is, um, though they are often quite misinformed, but whatever. Um, Essentially, the mundane basic associations with mercury retrograde is that there can be delays reroutes technical inconveniences getting lost maps not working being late to things um, having to get your oil changed um, and there being a long line or taking extra time to do like mundane tasks Um, small things like this and people like to complain about that and like you know Make a thing about it, but the mystical side of Mercury retrograde is that these reroutes or these detours um, take us away from our normal path and invite us to have experiences that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So, the person you talk to on the plane sitting next to you when you're sitting on a plane that was, you know, first delayed and you're on a new flight and you make a friend or you hear something in that conversation that you really needed to hear. So there can be some level of meaning or cleverness behind these reroutes. And um, yeah, so that's going to be the mundane layer. And at a more like psychological or spiritual layer, which all transits play out at every layer that there is, um, Mercury retrograde can be about having shifts in perception or shifts in our thinking, shifts in psyche. and in this light, that's what ends up being the most fascinating to me to forecast on. And so the angle or the spin that I'm going to offer you in this video is looking at a secret, maybe not so secret, player of this Mercury retrograde. And so I'm going to share my screen to show you what I'm talking about. So what I noticed, and these are the um, some charts that I just pulled up, is that at every kind of meaningful date connected to um, this Mercury retrograde, the asteroid Pallas Athena is involved. So first, when Mercury is in the pre-shadow phase um, before stationing, um, which if you don't know what that is, that's when Mercury enters the degree um, where it will later station direct. So Mercury is conjunct Pallas Athena. At the date of the station retrograde, Mercury is also closely conjunct Pallas Athena. When Mercury stations direct, the Moon, so one of the luminaries, will be highlighting Pallas Athena by close degree. And then at post-shadow, when Mercury re-enters the degree from which it originally stationed retrograde, the Sun, the other luminary, will also be closely highlighting Pallas Athena. So what that tells me is that there is a significant Pallas Athena thread thematically, archetypally, to the retrograde. So I'm gonna offer you a um, teaching, a glimpse into this archetype, and then weave it into how that might show up for us, what the invitations might be of the retrograde, and some things to look out for as things to pay attention to um, that you may be developing in your world. So first, Athena as um, the myth and the archetype. Athena is a beloved favorite daughter of Zeus. And there's two basic stories about her conception. One is simply that she's born from Zeus's forehead, um, that she has no mother. Or the other is that Zeus swallowed Metis, who's a goddess related to cunning and wisdom. And then Athena was their offspring, still born from Zeus's forehead. And she goes on to be this favorite daughter and she's a goddess of wisdom and creative intelligence. So, as I was sitting down yesterday to write about Athena um, and just collect my thoughts, you know, as I've been working with her in chart readings, I've shared about her with my students. Um, I've also had my own personal relationship with her for a decade or so now. So, I mostly wrote from Memory, though I did look up the conception story and whatnot to like validate a few or verify a few things. But I was acutely aware that because I'm tuning into Athena and Mercury's stationing and she's a big part of the Mercury retrograde, perhaps my ideas, my understanding of her will develop through this retrograde. So what I'm about to share may also turn some wheels for you um, or be something that has a process of unfolding over time and yeah you'll you'll see more as I'm sharing why some of these things are really going to be something to think or reflect about but essentially Athena um, she has many different expressions archetypally and one of her um, her angles or kind of pathways um, is that, she's really like a, an advisor to Greek heroes. And she's, um, she, her creative intelligence supports the agendas of the time, of the, um, the agendas of the gods. And there's a side, there's a way of interpreting Athena where she's kind of playing as a woman in the man's world. So whether that's in the myth or in like a, semi-contemporary context. It would be like the wave of feminism where women were taking jobs in the workplace or doing things out in the world that men were doing and being like, hey, we can do this too. And as, you know, I think at the time that that particular wave of feminism was um, being, that gender roles were so rigid and um, constricting that that was one way to start to subvert them or shift things like the way that the collective like the social thing was working out Um, but there's a deeper aspect of feminine empowerment right so whether we're talking about women or the feminine as a current that runs through anyone um, but often it is associated with women if we look at it in like a social context way that there's like a an oracle of the feminine or there's a way that the feminine gives birth not just to um other humans but that there's like a um creative sensitivity and fertility of the feminine consciousness that is in touch with the magic is in touch with the creative life force principle and then there's been some issue about where that life force you know what it's feeding what it's giving life to and so part of the issue with the women playing in the men's world is that it takes the feminine essence and just puts it into the hoops and systems that already exist. And when we think about like Athena archetypally, like some images of her, there's a book called Goddesses and Every Woman by um, the last name Bolin. I'm forgetting it, like Jean Jean Bolin, I think, and Athena as a um, as a social archetype as a person is described as like the um, the kind of maybe bookish, like studying um, engineering or very academic woman who's at a party and she's more likely to want to have like intellectual conversations than she's going to want to dance and be in the sensuality of her body and. The suggestion with that being like there's this kind of um, heightened like genius with the Athena archetype and then sometimes a struggle around um, the kind of like sensual fulfillment um, side of like the feminine life with Athena. So that's one and I'll probably come back to that. That's one angle of the Athena archetype. On the other hand, she also relates to um, manifestation and creative intelligence, right? So she's this master strategist, and she's like a a warrior philosopher goddess. And so rather than being connected to, say, like brute force, um, Athena has this exquisite capacity to really see a timeline of events and to... Make a plan where she, like, ever so strategically hits the mark or hits the target. So, I mean, she's genius, right? And when people in a contemporary, like, now context are practicing visualization, um, which is one of my favorite things in the world visualization um, or manifestation, they are, in a sense, working with the Athena consciousness because it is a mental fertility. It is the capacity to create a blueprint in the consciousness and like zeus giving birth to athena through his forehead athena i think carries that with her where she creates things in life based on visions that she has in her head so where that becomes you know you can see the very magical potentials of that because she's um incredibly creative and knows how to manifest things and sometimes mental frameworks or what we think is a good idea or what we think we should do is off. Like it may not be the thing. It may not be the path. Um, And so when I bring it back to that uh, um, image of a woman in the man's world, the, the issue conceivably with that is that there may be something that a woman or feminine being is channeling through them, like the truth of their vision, and it may not need to fit into some category that already exists, right? It may not be about harnessing all that life force and creativity to further a corporate agenda. Um, And often with um, Pallas Athena types, there is this draw to actually really excel in the world and to climb some kind of ladder. And then at the top of success, have this awakening of like, wait a minute, this actually is limiting, this isn't who I am. And then they recycle those gifts that they learned in that realm, in that arena, to something more creative and unique and personalized to them. Um, Or, you know, in my own experience with like Athena type consciousness, um, part of my path was like when I was first... You know i haven't really had a lot of experience in the workforce as an employee Um, i had like minimum wage jobs when i was like a teenager and then i was in college and i was pretty certain that i needed to do you know first i thought i wanted to like be a teacher an educator inside of like academia and then i had this like spiritual awakening got really into astrology at this deeper level and knew that i wanted to be an author and i wanted to be an astrologer and so I would research business. And a lot of what I read about business, um, sometimes I read things that were like also like books for men about like how to be like kind of this like uh, presence in the world, or like how to, you know, and I, I integrated that for like my inner masculine. Um, I also kind of had to pick and choose like some of the stuff I was reading about business I never resonated with. Like I've never resonated with creating a client avatar of like my ideal client, knowing what you eat for breakfast, what your pain points are, and how to then specifically deliver marketing to you. The way that I like to attract clientele and students is just to exude the magical frequency that I'm in connection to and invite you into um, going deeper into it with me. So when um, I think about my own experience with Athena, in some sense, like I, I've always kind of known I wanted to create my own realm because I, I didn't thrive inside of being an employee per se. Like I just couldn't figure it out or wasn't valued in that way. And I had this whole other thing that I wanted to create. Um, whatever your kind of path is with athena or kind of with this basically this mix of having some kind of creative fertility but then how do you express it in the world in a way that's successful or in a way that hits the mark and by whose metrics are you trying to win the game of life right by what systems metrics or are you like really sovereign with how you harness and embody the creative intelligence So to come back to this point of manifestation and visualization, something that I've really learned with that um, is that when I first connected to the practice of visualization in a really intentional way, it was pretty goal-oriented. You know, I wanted specific things and like a laser beam in my consciousness, I would like try to like make particular things happen. And it really didn't feel good, right? It wasn't like, One, it was very hard to actually get results with that, but um, it felt like just so graining, like it wasn't wasn't lush, it wasn't connected, it didn't feel connected to the magic, it actually felt quite forceful. Um, Even though conceivably like doing things in like the upper chakra realm seems so ethereal, um, when you're very fixated on a vision and you're trying to make things happen, that's like kind of uh, a way that Athena goes off the rails a little bit, where our Athena does. And how this like ended up shifting is that I still do a lot of visualization, but I've had to like really tap into like what's the truer thread. Right. As opposed to having egoic mental agendas that I'm using my cosmic spiritual energy to try to feed. And that's only going to feed the illusion layer in my life and keep me in this like wheel where I'm like having to spend a lot of energy on something that is inherently taxing because it's not true. It's not connected. um, It's not relational. Right. As opposed to. tapping into what does creative intelligence look like when it's connected to my true nature, when it's connected to the rhythms of my body. And so over time, my relationship with visualization has even become physically more pleasurable. Like I enter this kind of bliss state or I see all these colors or I feel deeply relaxed as opposed to feeling stiff and uncomfortable and like I'm trying to force something to happen. So how is this going to relate to Mercury retrograde in Virgo? Well, the Virgo archetype is about precision and accuracy and refinement. And it also relates to crisis and messes, right? Like, you know, the the neat kind of organized Virgos that have like this knack for making spaces look pristine and beautiful. Or maybe the Virgo herbalist or health person who's like really um, good at their craft, right? And they're, they're very precise. As well as, you know, the shadow or the opposite of that, the opposite side of the spectrum is the mess, right? Like not knowing even where to begin, where to start to make things refined or better. So what happens with the Virgo archetype is that we um, sometimes have a small misstep uh, or we're out of alignment in a small way. And then that snowballs into bigger and bigger things. And then we try to problem solve like all the stuff up here that was snowballed from the small um, point. So, generally, like an example of that in like a health context is say um, a person is eating something that is really unhealthy for them, or maybe they have um, some kind of allergy to it, and as they have side effects from that dietary misalignment, it creates these other issues. And then maybe they solve those issues or at the symptom level, but don't find the actual root of it. And so the problems keep being there, but the root kind of simple thing hasn't been found. So these are not always obvious to us what the root simple thing is. There's a process of really humility that Virgo brings upon us because um, we kind of have to get kind of in the, in this discovery process of what's really calling for our attention, what is really the next step that's going to create a cascade of positive alignments um, or bring the situation into a better state of health. And where I think this ties into Athena and creative intelligence and these metaphors that I've been painting in different ways about how we're harnessing creative energy and what we're feeding it into, sometimes people get um, very sophisticated-ish and developed in this Visionary manifestation, like spiritual arts and crafts, right? But then there's some kind of deeper thing that they're not looking at or avoiding, and then they're using magic to kind of try to do things, um, and they're they're off the mark. So, an example that I can share, if you listen to my pod, or my audio novella, "Hungry Ghosts of Paradise," um, it's on Magic of the Spheres podcast. I published it. Um, I think I finished it a little like around a year ago, um, but I'll share the playlist to the novel in the notes. Um, but this was a, um autobiographical novel about like a paradise lost kind of situation. But one of the things that is um, in that story, and I'll, you don't have to listen to the story to get it, but also the novel is there, um, is This time in my life where I um, had, like, this kind of anxious attachment pattern running, I was in um, a kind of, I was obsessed, right? And when I would want a text back and I was really anxious about not hearing back from this man, I'd use my, like, connection to the angels or I'd pray to the angels and, like, ask the angels on my behalf to get him to text me back. Right. And that, you know, didn't feel good to me at the time. Like it was not my best life, but there is that capacity to really kind of use these, you know, manifestation or whatever techniques to to pursue an agenda where it's like, well, there's something else at play here. Right. Or it's like if you are um, overtaxing your system in a way where you're like kind of following a lot of. Um, pathways in your life that are draining you and aren't authentic and like you might need to revisit that Um, and yet you use a bunch of supplements um, or plants or whatever to give you the energy to do all those things and that might help you cope for a period of time but it's like if that's habitual and ongoing that we're using certain resources, drawing these resources in to perpetuate a path that's not fully authentic, um, it kind of staves off the, the crisis side of Virgo. Um, but eventually, um, it shows up in some way. So Virgo is about getting more clear on like what's the, the actual kind of healthy step to get into alignment. What are we aligning to? There's a deep anxiety inside of Virgo as well because there is a sense that being good, you know, it's like a biblical like going to heaven versus going to hell, where it's like being a good person, you know, being like liked instead of outcast or liked instead of cancelled. whatever it is, where there's this sense that um, there's a great anxiety about not being a good person um, or something being wrong with you. And therefore, when you make mistakes or you are aware that you're making mistakes, there's an immense amount of shame and then avoidance. So one of the images that I was thinking of for um, considering this mercury retrograde um, as something to think about, right, is like an engineer who notices that there's like a little problem in the plant, right? I don't know a lot about machinery, so it's very abstract here, a watercolor image. But, Something's off. The engineer knows it. Now imagine the engineer just calmly dealing with that and fixing it versus the engineer being like so squeamish about it and so like, oh, this this is too much. I just can't deal with it. Going home and like I just, you know, and then the plant has this kind of meltdown. Like where it is that we have such a avoidant relationship to the little things that need to be attended to because it creates an immense amount of shame, right? So where can we um, give ourselves more resource through compassion or through just being with the discomfort of the sensations and through also not, you know, having some level of detachment from that punisher shame voice and just being like, oh yeah, I, I messed up here or like this was, this was off. Right, as opposed to going on this whole um, freak-out ride about it. So finding that kind of level of, um, you know, think about Virgo and the grand earth trine, and so the stability of Taurus, or kind of like the responsibility, gravity, groundedness of Capricorn. And just, yeah, if there's something that needs adjustment, like bringing the kind of like willingness, game face, like, um, willingness to evolve, willingness to reflect on things and to refine things without all the extra shame and whatnot that kind of derails the process. So, I'm like, why did I bring that in? There was another point that I wanted to make. Um, but I think the the process of knowing what steps to take to like refine or improve our situation. We kind of need that capacity of consciousness to be able to even look at those small details and to take practical um, adjustment action based on them. Oh, and I was speaking also about, you know, what is Virgo aligning to and why there's that sense of like perfectionism or like if I make a mistake, it means this really big bad thing about me as opposed to it simply being a mistake and there being an opportunity to revise it um, and move on. So another thing that could be relevant with this is that Pallas Athena is creative intelligence. And I love visualization because i it's like a prayer for me to tap into anything. Like I can imagine anything. Um, the capacity to even imagine will stretch one's reality in meaningful directions. So sometimes to begin to solve problems or to fix things in my life, I simply imagine that it's already been done. I get into the feeling state of the relief or the kind of um, magic of the situation having shifted, and then that creates the fertility in my consciousness to actually receive a download of what a meaningful next step would be to get me into that direction. So it's a part of my consciousness that suspends the the attachment or the gripping to the anxious dysregulated nervous system as the pathway to solving my problems like i need to be really stressed out right now to deal with this stressor like not necessarily i can actually tap into creative vision and resource myself through that i do this with um also when i'm ruminating about things or i'm in a grief process or i like can't seem to digest something emotionally or mentally i tap into the akashic records and i ask for support Um, working with those threads and then I get visions and so I think creating some connection of like where do you get spiritually resourced where do you get energetically resourced to attend to what needs to be attended to as opposed to using those spiritual resources to um, kind of just like cover it up or to Um, use spiritual resources to perpetuate an agenda that may be out of touch with the truth um, or you know the truth that's living inside of you and wants to express through you let me see if there's anything else that wants to be said about this dynamic I think there can be, like, a... um, Essentially, like, Mercury retrograde is about reflecting and revising, and there's something about process with Virgo and Pallas Athena being this creative intelligence genius um, creativity and how some of the things that are causing us stress, we're stressed that we're stressed, like, we are... um, there's a, a way that maybe at like a practical level, we're not feeling resourced or equipped to deal with the situation, and we may need to find ways to um, create more resource for ourselves or invite more resource or ask for more resource um, for those things or discover what would actually be helpful. There's also a way that sometimes it is just a mental attitude or a nervous system kind of posture habit to feel very um, victimized and collapsed in the face of having little issues to work out, right? And as long as we're alive, this reality is imperfect and there's always little things that need adjustment or need to be worked with. And so if we can find a sense of, you know, I think Pallas Athena really finds the sport and the fun in what she does. And while she's in Virgo, there's like really this thing around, you know, and such a part of this Mercury retrograde story, there's something around... Um, Tapping into the magic and brilliance of the process and realizing that just because we have issues doesn't mean that there's something wrong. Like this is not a perfect reality. This is literally an imperfect reality. And then the paradox is that it's also all perfection, right? That at a deeper spiritual level, everything that we go through is um, resourcing us to learn the lessons that we came to earth to learn. So when we have a really kind of game like warrior philosopher, like goddess, God attitude to approaching these things, um, maybe we'll have some meaningful revelations, right? And it's Mercury retrograde, so we're going to be rethinking, reanalyzing, digesting what hasn't been digested yet, having shifts in perception and all of that. So I did forget to say at the beginning to please like this video. Um, And leave a comment. Please leave a comment just to say hello or even, you know, further to let me know what resonated with you and what you thought um, about this video and transmission. You can subscribe to my channel, subscribe to my mailing list linked in the notes. And um, I also have some learning opportunities up ahead. One is Emergence, which is a visionary experience about the lunar nodes in Aries and Libra. They just entered recently, and they'll be here for an 18-month time period, and they will be informing our eclipse seasons. So I created this workshop um, to invite you into having a personal relationship with how the nodes are activating your chart. Um, I will support you in that, right? There's going to be a group um, to post in and also the live classes. So um, you bring your interpretation or analysis. um, I'll help you get to that place, and I'll give you feedback. Um, This is really about getting your own kind of Athena lay of the land of what the next 18 months holds in store for you around what's the mythic undercurrent, what's happening around the eclipses. Um, But the north nodes in Aries, so emergence, is really about what are you giving life to that hasn't existed yet and how is that going to rebalance your social field right i've been feeling into this one um, as i've been preparing this workshop and just feeling it in the field of different ways that as i bring things out and express myself express my impulses that i'm having more fun and i'm feeling more connected to the world and people around me like there was almost this like boredom and it felt like nothing's happening, or like, I'm just not interested, or, you know, what's going on? Um, boredom, and like, <laughs> I was talking to my friend about it, and she was reflecting, like, oh, the the horror of being bored, right? So I was moving through that, and then I would feel this kind of whisper, this instinct, or this impulse, and as I would act on it, um, all this energy would come online for me, but also it changed how I felt I was interacting with people, and it created new things for the Libra side of the the balance, the social connection, etc., that part too. So, how that's uniquely playing out for you in terms of what's emerging for you and what in your life is that rebalancing, that's something that I'll be guiding you through astrologically and also with the Akashic Records um, inside of Emergence. So we begin September 14th. You can find the link to sign up in the notes. and. Um, then, for longer-term study with me, Diviner is open to a new cohort in late October. It will begin with the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive that you may, um, if you're not new around here, you've been seeing me offer that for the last five years. It's um, a beloved program that has been a really meaningful like spark of literacy for so many students, um, and it's a way of getting immersed in the language of evolutionary soul-centered astrology Um, inside of diviner it has that course but also year-round there will be new classes on um, expanding what we learn in the intensive and also bringing in you know there's always new things you hear me talking about athena here and it's like the getting into the asteroids or transits or techniques Um, but for me the way that i perceive Receiving new astrological knowledge. It's not just about collecting information. Um, It's about the psychic and mythic soul level acupuncture it offers, right? Where you learn something new astrologically and it lights up all these connections and it inspires you to be more lucid in your life. Um, I regularly get to have this experience of seeing my natal chart or the promise of my natal chart come alive in my life as I'm just following my um, the thread of truth that I um, am working with in my experience and also how understanding my natal chart at a deeper level has helped me be aware of what might be expansive opportunities for me or things that I can do to shift my um, trajectory in positive directions. Um, it's pretty infinite, this practice. And so I created Diviner, this expanded year-long container to um, you know, we just needed the container to go longer because there's so much more infinitely to work with with astrology. And I wanted to offer that to my students who come through the intensive. So Diviner is an opportunity to become deeply fluent, connected um, to astrology, and also to receive um, not only just like the structure of the container, but um, my support, guidance, sight, reflection, Um, to support you in getting to know astrology and yourself and others through astrology so to enroll in diviner um, contact me sabrina at monarchastrology.com and we'll get on a call i'm getting on calls with all prospective students um, who are interested in diviner Um, so that's the way to get started if you want to join that program i am going to leave us here Um, i did just um, all my bookings for astrology readings sold out. I'm going to be um, offering them again soon. My mailing list is the best way to learn of when new um, opportunities for readings come up. Thank you so much. Do like this video, leave a comment, um, and I'll see you again soon.